0: How many of you are excited as you think about 2019? How many of you are like, yeah, man, (laughs) maybe, okay. A little bit of both, a little bit of both. I have a, uh, I have a mentor and my mentor helps me because I look at his attitudes and I study his life and I learn from him. He teaches me how to feel and how to think he's dead. His name is Paul. But as I read Paul, I, I, my mind is just stretched. And so I want to begin 2019 by looking at some of Paul's words that he spoke to the church in Ephesus. So if you can turn with me or look with me at chapter 3 of Ephesians. And he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Paul is telling us, this is what I'm praying for for you, this church in Ephesus, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He's looking at this church and he's saying, here's what you need. You need more power going on. You have it in you, but you need that power coming out of your hands and your feet and your mouth. You need to get more motivation, more enthusiasm, more strength, more power. You've got it. It's got to flow is what Paul is saying. This is what I'm praying for. Verse 17, that so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I just want to stop here. One of the most beautiful things and one of the most amazing things for me when I first bowed my knee to Jesus and I began to read in the Bible that when you confess, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Christ comes in you. Many of us have not gotten this at a heart level that Christianity is not about trying hard to do better. It's about Christ living his life through us and in us. And so here he says in verse 17, I'm praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. When you Confess Christ, he comes into your life, but Jesus said this crazy thing in John 14. He said, as we live in obedience to him, God the Father and Jesus come and they live through us. Is that crazy or what? We're done with trying to do better. We're about surrendering and letting him live through us. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength Motivation, power, enthusiasm. You may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. It's a collective learning. We all are learning together. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? It is not an intellectual growth that we are talking about. We're learning the breadth and the depth and the height and the love of Christ in our hearts. This is pretty cool, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I don't know what your goals are for 2019, you know, lose weight, do this, do that. Here's a goal. How about let's be filled up to all the fullness of God? It's a pretty cool goal. Um, Verse 20, Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to his power that is at work within us. I want you to notice that last phrase, his work is at in us. His, his power is at work in us. I see it. I hope you see it. We are growing. We are changing. Some of us by leaps and bounds. Some of us are kind of dragging our feet, but we're all making progress together. But what I want you to see about this, there are things that we can ask for and things that we privately think. There are things that are so big that we're afraid to ask for them. They're bigger, we think them privately, but we're not willing to be bold and say, God, would you do this in my life? And Paul exhorts this, exerts this church and he says he's able. He's able to do more than what you're thinking and more than what you're asking. In fact, far more, in fact, far more abundantly. So I would like us as a church to just stand and pray before I share a few thoughts about today's message. Would you stand with me? We don't want this year to be about us doing more. We want us to be a church that learns how to surrender to let him live through us. And I'd like to make a choice as a community here today in prayer in that regard. Would you pray with me? God, we ask this morning that you would shift our minds from small to big as you define big, (laughs) not as we define big. Would you shift our mind from small to big because you're big? Would you shift our mind from us to you? Shift our minds from our weaknesses, our sins, our problems, our struggles to your provision, your power, your grace. Would you shift our minds from our desires to your desires, your dreams, your hopes for us by the power of the Holy Spirit, but that the name of Jesus would be heard and felt and sensed through us in this dark world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys have a seat. A few weeks ago, some words came out of my mouth that surprised me and embarrassed me just a little bit. I said, man, 2019 is gonna be horrible. Yeah. So why did I say that? There is a reason why I confessed a few, maybe a month ago that I had, I was told by an optometrist that I have a cataract. I'm 55, I'm not supposed to have a cataract. That's an old person thing, isn't it? Or at least that's how I thought. So I have a cataract, and I need a surgery for that. Then my left shoulder began to ache, and I could no longer sleep on that shoulder, so I was sleeping on my right shoulder, and then it began to ache. And then I went and saw the doctor, and he said, you need a surgery on your left shoulder. Then we'll do your right shoulder. So now I have a cataract, a left shoulder surgery, that right, I'm going to spend half of 2019 like this and the other half like this. That's what's coming for me. And then my son and I got on the basketball court, and I'm unhappy with the level of domination that I'm now being assaulted with through my son. And so the conversation with my knee doctor was, okay, let's finally do this knee replacement. 55 years old, cataract, left shoulder, right shoulder, and knee replacement. Head and shoulders, knees and toes. Comic (laughs) relief in the second row. And then I got sick. How is it that one nostril can be completely plugged and still be runny? Can someone explain? It doesn't make any sense. And this cold left, but like never really left. Just lingers, lingers, lingers. So I found myself throwing a little pity party. Didn't invite anyone else. It's just me feeling sorry and saying those words. 2019 is gonna be really horrible don't remember if those were my exact words or not. Then I did something. I remembered something. I remembered something that I've been learning over this past year. And I, this may sound over the top, but it's the one thing that I can say to you today with complete confidence that is proven by science. I like science. It is proven by science that it can change your brain. In a word, it's gratitude. I want to speak to you about cultivating gratitude. Maybe we are going back. Maybe we are starting this series today, Jesus' dream for the church. Because I do believe that his dream for us is to overflow with gratitude toward him and to overflow with gratitude toward one another. And toward people in our world. I sent someone a text who is a distant friend of mine three days ago, and I said, Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm grateful for your life. And his response back to me was, You have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. It is Jesus' dream that we would overflow with gratitude. Here's what I've learned personally gratitude won't necessarily change your life. It won't necessarily change your life circumstances, but it will help you drink in the life that you've been given. It'll help you drink in the moments of your life if we can cultivate this. So I did a a little research, and there's all kinds of scientific studies that have been done. Here's the first one. In the first study, they took two groups of people, And you had a choice in, there's one group that was supposed to chronicle, they're supposed to journal three reasons that they were grateful every day. And the other group got to journal everything that was ticking them off. (laughs) I know, it's like, okay, let's be honest, we're in church, which group do you really want to be in, right? (laughs) Like a lot of us would be like, yeah, I want to be in that second group, that sounds a lot of fun to me. So they they journaled what annoyed them. The first group journaled something that they were grateful for. And then they allowed a a significant period of time to go on. And they, they then analyzed both groups. And here's what they found about group number one, the group that cultivated gratitude. They found that there was an increase in determination, an increase in attention. They were more attentive, an increase in enthusiasm and an increase in energy. That was the first study. Harvard researcher Shane, or Sean Acor said this, something as simple as writing down three things that you're grateful for every day for 21 days in a row significantly increases your level of optimism, and it holds. Science shows that it's, it holds for the next six months. And he, as a researcher, said the research is amazing. So this is your brain on gratitude. Um, you get lit up, it does something to you. It actually changes the chemistry within your brain. Maybe you did not know that, but more and more research is coming out and showing us this. Here's the second research. This is out of the University of Indiana. Again, there were several groups. The first group was to write letters. So they weren't just journaling. The second group, in this second study, they were to write letters of gratitude, to express verbally or in written form, to somebody. And, uh, and, then th- and then they had a control group, and three months went by, and then they did brain scans on everybody. During the brain scan, now I think if I was in a scientific experiment, I would catch on to this and kind of raise my eyebrow and think, this isn't really legit. During the brain scan, they had a benefactor say, by the way, I am going to bequeath to you a certain amount of money, whether it was large or small. And then after sharing that, say, I would request that you would give some portion, you decide you would give some portion of that money that I'm giving to you, that you would pay it forward and you donate it to some charity. And here's what the research found. First of all, the researchers found that the more money that they chose to give, the more gratitude they, they experienced. We should all know this. Jesus teaches this. The second thing that they found was the more grateful people were, the more their brain got lit, lit up in the parietal, frontal, and occipital regions. And then the third thing was really interesting: the, the first group that very first group that wrote those letters of gratitude expressing to someone else, they had a far greater result than the control group. And this brain scan was done, I think, three months later. It lasted. It had this huge lasting effect on them. So here's what they're finding, real simply, is that gratitude is a natural antidepressant. It actually changes you. Dopamine and serotonin neurotransmitters go to the happy part of our brain and they cause it to light up. And so we can actually, we actually can choose or find happiness through the biblical practice of gratitude. And then the second thing that they're finding is that it's like a muscle. Gratitude is like a muscle. The more you work it, the stronger it gets. So not only does it last long But the more you practice it, the more you can experience it on a daily basis. It's like you see things through a different set of eyes. Oprah, don't know if I have ever quoted her before or not, but Oprah said that of all the decisions that she's made, the decision to keep a journal and to express five things that she's grateful for every single day is the single best decision she's made in her entire life. Now let that sink in for a minute. I've made some decisions that are better than that, like yielding my life to Jesus. But that's amazing, isn't it, for a woman of that magnitude to say that's the number one decision. So I want to share with you what I've learned experientially, and I want to go back to the image that we're starting with here. I don't know if you capture what this image is meant to express. Here's what it's meant to say. As a Christ follower, we all start in in the desert. We start in the valley. We're spiritually dead. We don't know Jesus. Maybe we've ignored him for much of our lives. Maybe we just didn't know. No one told us about Jesus and what he's done for us, but that's where we start. Spiritually dead, cut off, alienated. And God, through this ridiculous act of grace, says, you're my enemy, but you know what? Here's what I'm going to do for my enemy. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to call you son or daughter from this point on. I'm going to pour my whole heart into blessing your life. I'm going to take you out of that valley, and I'm going to put you in an elevated position on top of a mountain. On top of the mountain, we can see things that the world, the rest of the world can't see. Some of you here who have journeyed with us for let's say the last six months, you may not even be a Christian yet and yet you know in your heart you see things that six months ago you didn't see. But there, even in that elevated position of honor, if you're like me, we sometimes live in a bubble. Maybe that bubble is cynicism. Maybe that Bubble is small thinking, it's self-centeredness, our eyes are on ourself and our weaknesses and not on God and who He is, and so there on top of the bubble, our world, if you can see that image, is inverted. It's upside down. Like this image, ingratitude inverts our understanding of reality. It inverts it. Like this image, ingratitude makes the beauty of reality, like those clouds and the trees in the background, blurry. We know they're there. They're just not brought sharply into focus. Are you with me on this? I want you to think about your own life for a minute, your own pain, your own frustration, your own, God, why are you not doing more? God, why this? Why this struggle? Why me? Whatever. Act or thought of ingratitude flows through your brain. Do you see how it has inverted your vision of a great and glorious God and the beauty of the life that we've been given? Which brings us to our first point. Gratitude depends on perspective. Gratitude depends on perspective. Let me ask a question here. How many of you would classify yourself as an optimist? Raise your hand. Okay, look around at our holy club of optimists. How many of you would shamelessly raise your hand and say, I am bent more toward pessimists? Raise your hand. Be proud. Raise your hand. And how many of you did not vote? (laughs) Exactly. That's the point I want to get to, oh wife of my many years. I I just want to jump off what Jana just said. How many of you as pessimists know in your heart that you're actually a realist? And yes, how many of you as a pessimist or optimist are married to the opposite? Yeah, okay. So the truth is that we, we need each other, that our perspective of both the optimist and the pessimist are based in reality. The pessimist thinks that they're in reality, the optimist thinks that they're in reality. We're both just looking at different sides of reality. This is the truth, we are both seeing reality, but we're focusing on one aspect of it. My wife admits to being the realist pessimist. I'm the optimist realist. Um, And we get along really well. I, I think Albert Einstein helped me with this. He said that in major issues, that he expresses himself strongly. And in minor issues in marriage, he just defers to his wife. Then he smiled and said, I found that everything is a minor issue, which is wise words. So optimism and pessimism are are both expressions of reality. And what I want to say to you about gratitude is gratitude is similar but different than that. Gratitude is not looking to this side to the negative or this side to the positive. It's looking in the middle and seeing something that both the optimist and the pessimist may both miss, that God is present in all of my circumstances. And so as an optimist or a pessimist, I can be a grateful person if I can just see that God is present and working out his good in my life biblical gratitude is seeing his kindness and goodness no matter what we're going through. First Thessalonians 5:16 Jim taught on knowing God's will for your life. Uh, I don't know if he taught this or not I was sick uh, with a pity party uh, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you know how many verses are this clear that says, this is God's will? Very few. Gratitude is God's will for our lives. I want to read part of a uh, Facebook post that I read. I asked permission to read this with you. This is one of our church members. And this person wrote this, 2018, I hated you. I'm glad to see you go. You taught me lessons I didn't want to learn. I love that line. Isn't that always true? You made me stronger than I've ever wanted to be. I had to learn that no matter what happened in the past, I'm not to blame for other people's actions. You made me take responsibility for my own actions. You took the fun out of judging others. I had to laugh at that. It was so good. You made me ask myself what I really want in my heart, what I really want. You made me see that looking for happiness with others is not how you find happiness. I hated you, 2018, but I am grateful for you. I'm grateful that I'm a better person for all your lessons. I'm grateful to finally know truth, perhaps my favorite line right there, and to be guided on a better path than I've ever chosen for myself. I'm grateful for you, 2018, but I'm, I'm thrilled to see 2019 and the new possibilities she brings with her, hashtag looking for joy, hashtag new year, hashtag new I'd like to think that H2O has some role in that journey of joy. So that's the first thing I've learned. Gratitude is a perspective. Number two, gratitude can be cultivated. It can be cultivated. You can change your brain today. You can make this year the best year. You have power. As a person created by God, in the image of God, you can walk in his will and be obedient to him. I'm an optimist, but I'm also an idealist. And it's hard to describe how those two pieces of my personality work against one another. As an optimist, I have great faith. As an idealist, I see everything that is wrong, everything that could be, everything that we could be, and I live with that constant tension within me. I realized somewhere in 2018 that my idealism took my optimism out in the backyard and beat the crap out of them. (laughs) And I realized that I was not living out of gratitude because of my idealism. Did you know that you can be in a great story? And we are in a great story. The Jesus story is a great story. You can be in a great story of a great deliverance. How is it that God took on human skin to deliver us? You can be in a great story of a great deliverance by a great God. And out of a great love. And for a great purpose. And still be unhappy. For me personally, my thinking can go, it's true that you chose me before time. It's true that you came into my life, you sent people into my life to model and tell me about Jesus. At a point in time, you called me, you opened my eyes, you washed me clean, you called me son. It's true that you gave me your word, your spirit, your people. It's true. But we really haven't broken that 200-person barrier yet, God, so... What's up? That's how my critical thinking can be. But what is it with you? Maybe you think, yeah, but still, I I still haven't gotten that raise. I'm still single. I'm still in a struggling marriage. I'm still struggling with sin. I still don't have this. I still don't have that. What is it that beats up your potential for gratitude? So in about that I had with idealism sometime in 2019, I did something really wise by mistake. And I began to think about all of the things that had gone well, that God had provided for me in 2018. When we moved into a new house in April, and whoa, that move was like the most horrible thing in the world, it took so long. We moved out of our own house, if you recall, The people that bought our house wanted us out by Christmas, so we got out, and then their financing fell through. It's like, you are kidding me, we are sacrificing so much. And then, through the generosity of some people, we moved into an Airbnb, which was awesome, but it meant a move. And then we had to move a second time as we were waiting for this house, but then finally we got into this beautiful house, which many of you have been blessed by yourselves. I'm so thankful, so thankful. I'm really thankful for my wife and I want to tell you a little story here before I show you an image is that my ring fell off and got lost and so I asked my wife for a new ring for Christmas and uh, so she was really excited to give me this ring so I I want to show you the ring. So yeah, I'm sitting there and she's playing this up and she's, she's saying, I know how important this is to you. Like, you just love Jesus, who's the Lion of Judah, so I got you this ring. And really, I know this means a lot. This is really special. And she gives me this ring. And, like, I'm thinking in my head, unedited, I'm like, I have to wear this ring. I I, I have to lie to the world and and tell her that. And then she just looks at me and like, gotcha. It's like, oh, you played me so well. I will wear the ring from time to time. It was a great moment. The ring is a joke, but 30 years together isn't. And that's what we celebrate on January 14th. So, I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for my wife's, or my wife. Really grateful for my wife. Really grateful for my daughter's engagement. Uh, my daughter, Caitlin. Photography by John, let me boast. Not bad, huh? Right? Come on. Give me some love. And um, there's this family moment where we are watching Father of the Bride together. My daughter is over here and Roddy is right next to her. And I see my daughter in, in tender moments of the movie, just look over at me sees me wiping some tears away, looks back at the movie, she's wiping tears, Roddy's wiping. And then the movie ends. We all just kind of spontaneously got up and had this group hug. It's just this beautiful thing, just this beautiful heart moment. I'm really thankful for that. I'm really thankful that my son has moved from The Ohio State University and is going to be an intern with us here at UCF. I'm really thankful. But what I did was I took time Again, I want to remind you that I was ungrateful that idealism was beating up my opportunity for gratitude. What I mean by cultivating gratitude is making a list and taking time and thinking about it and my heart just began to change. So if you want to be happy, cultivate gratitude. Can we do something right now as a church? I I just want to take two or three minutes. I don't want to hear a long story. I want a one-sentence answer. No explanation. I want you to fill in the blank. I am grateful for blank. Shout it out. What are you grateful for? H2O Church. Church. (laughs) And I am grateful for you, Lynn. That is awesome. Okay, next. Grandkids. Grandkids. Nice. Family. Family. What was that? Today. Work. Life. Cool weather? You weirdo. I think I heard fishing. Chick-fil-A. Yeah, there you go. What? Christ. Yeah, let's make sure we get that one. By the way, you husbands are missing a great opportunity here. There you go! Money to grant. Nice job. Opposition. Opposition. Maturity, the voice of wisdom. Education. We could go on and on and on. What if you listed out 100 things that you're grateful for? What do you think that would do? Third, Third and last thing I want to share with you guys. Gratitude expressed. Gratitude expressed. Gratitude expressed makes the world a better place. You can do uh, Google research. You can listen to a bunch of TED Talks. You can go to YouTube and see all these kinds of videos. One of the ones that impressed me the most was the commitment of one man to say with words every single day to have a conversation with another person and say, I am grateful for you, and to explain why. One of these science projects was a group that had to write down what the, the one person they were grateful for, and then they put a phone in front of them, and they asked them to call the person. And I really had mixed emotions at this point because some of the people called the person and they were just rotely reading their words of gratitude. One person I remember even said, why are you doing this? And the person said, well, they, they're making me do this. I thought, what? It's so much more difficult to say with our words, isn't it? than to just feel those things. Can you dream with me for a minute? What do you think, if you're married, what do you think it would look like if you forget about your weaknesses and their weaknesses, and you were to pour gratitude all over them? What would that look like for you? What what could that be like? If we could open our eyes and say with our mouth, I, here's what I'm grateful for you. What would it look like if you were to do that, those of you that have children, and to just express your gratitude towards your children? I want you to think about your friends. For those of you that are within a life group here in H2O, what would it look like if you began to think about that and say with words why you're grateful for the people that have chosen to do life with you? Words are powerful. Gratitude is powerful. You have no idea what your words meant to me is what my friend Mike said to me. Here's my challenge. Do with this what you want. Some of you are going to take a journal and you're going to follow the example and you're going to write down five things you're grateful for. And you're going to change and you're grow. Some of you are going to go a little bit over the top. And you're going to say, I'm going to express my words to people. That's what I'm trying to do. To say how grateful I am with my words to people. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing, overflowing with thankfulness. Again, back to my main point about gratitude. Gratitude won't necessarily change your life, but it will help you to drink in the life that you've been given. And in Christ, you've been given a life. What a better way to start drinking in this life here in 2019 by us taking communion together. So at this point, I'm going to yield the microphone to Jim who will lead us in taking communion.